So today on the podcast, we're joined by Dylan Thompson and Ben Trevelyan, along with Tim again. Uh, if you guys want to just introduce yourself and what your part in rallying is and shit. Go on, Dylan. Fire away. Get us started. Yep. Am I off? Yep. What is my part in rallying? Oh, this is going to be painful. No, what's the... <laughs> well... Should we should we put it together, Dylan? So you're a three time two wheel drive champion. You've done you got third in category one. You have done bloody well in your S D one fifty Fiesta. You have done you know, with the SAE Savaro in twenty nineteen. You've uh, are pretty much a factory back driver from Total in the ways that you've done with that. Uh, you've yeah, you've achieved so much over the last what, five, six years now in rallying? And it's amazing to think that you're just a boy from Waiuku that started around racing around in a Holden Commodore around the circles in a little tiny speedway in Waiuku. So you're yeah, you're a stunning driver. So and then we've got BT, the man, the myth, the legend. He uh, started all of a sudden uh, turning on the scene. Most people in rallying have a sort of a, a family back background with uh, within rallying, but old BT here, Ben Trevelyan, actually. He's a bit of a no-boy, and his father is involved with, uh, well, he started watching sport at rallying, and uh, was all interested in motorsport, as well as Ben, and uh, somewhere along the line, Ben found his way into jumping in with Matt Wright, and also with myself, Harry, and a smashing of others, but is currently, at the moment, sitting with Dylan in the NZRC Championship, and uh, yeah, he's, he's come along pretty well, I would like to say. What are you, Jack? Yeah, so I think he's handling all the introductions for us. Yeah. I think we, we, me and Tim talked about it before, but the reason we got you two on is that the difference between me and Tim were obviously born and raised in a rally family, whereas you guys have sort of found your way into the sport in your own ways. So maybe if you, Dylan, could talk about how you actually got introduced to the sport and then, yeah, that first Otago rally that we saw you at. Yeah, well... My um, my family does have a small rallying background. Um, my grandfather and father both did rally sprints and, and the odd club rally um, back in the day. But, um, yeah, growing up, obviously loved watching back then. I suppose now it's Hayden Patton, but um, back then it was Possum Bourne and, and he was my idol and, and there's nothing like the Sabaru and that. And it just sort of got me into it. Um, and right from a young age, I just always wanted to do um, and be involved in rallying. Um, so obviously we were doing Waiuku Dirt Track there. Um, they had a sprint series uh, just where they took the speedway cars out to the forest um, once a year for the winter season. Um, so yeah, we had six rounds out there. I started doing that. Um, whilst doing that, I got involved with um, helping out Ben Hunt um, and went along to Whangarei and a couple of other rallies during the year and, and decided that, you know, it was a possible thing and, and that's what I wanted to do. So um, with a lot of help from Ben and Total and and family members and a few other people, we got the Fiesta and put together a campaign and, and that's where we are now. So, cool. And for yourself, for yourself, Ben, you're obviously a bit different. You've come in through the co-driving route, but you were a complete nobody in the sport not that long ago until you met... Hopper, which is unfortunate. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess um, Hopper's kind of my way into the whole rallying side of things. I've always had more of a, a circuit track interest. And, um, yeah, Dad and I always used to hang around on the on the banks at Ruapuna and Levels and, and all tracks like that. Um, and, yeah, one day I got talking to Hopper at Levels. He said, come for a ride in my escort. And, um, yeah, little did I know what I was getting in for, really. <laughs> so um, yeah, we went for a ride with him at, uh, at Nash Burton Car Club Sprint probably oh, five, six years ago. Um, and, yeah, sort of this, the love for rallying kind of stemmed from there, really. Um, by chance, ended up sort of um, our parents moved out to Prebleton and living next to Matt Wright at the time. He was my neighbour. Um, and, yeah, kind of got to know him there and saw he had a pretty flash-looking Sabara in his shed. And he was, uh, he was looking for a co-driver at the time. So got started with him in 2017. Um, did Catlin's rally. It was the first rally. Um, and, yeah, did probably a year and a half with him um, in, the, in the Subaru, which was good fun. Um, and, yeah, sort of like Tim said, um, a number of drivers since then. Tim, John T, um, Harry, um, and John O'Taylor, a number of others as well. Um, and, yeah, really enjoying it so far. And just... Like you're a bit of a rally slut, but in terms of that first ride with Hopper, what was that like for a newcomer? Like we all know what Hopper is like now, but back then not knowing anything, what was it like getting him to see? Yeah, I guess I probably didn't really know any better, really. Um, Jeez, you're he's, brave. He's Ash. Yeah, <laughs> well, I've sat with you too. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I mean, he's, he's Ashburn's biggest extrovert, as um, as people say. Um, and it was an eye-opening experience. Um, yeah, he certainly knows how to flick that rotary escort around. Um, but yeah, like I say, um, just hanging around people who, who are so passionate about the sport um, really helps you know develop your passion for the sport personally as well. And for those who don't know, Hopper is just a wee local legend in Ashburton. He's got a rotary, rotary powered um, Mark One escort. And I mean, before a couple of years ago, I was running these fucked old seats and it was a, like the most dangerous car in New Zealand. It was a mess. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, a, it was a bit of a mess when I got on it. Uh, yeah, like I say, I don't really know any better. I just thought this was rallying. And, um, but yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a real purist old hopper and um, yeah, he's, he's good fun. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I want to get actually back to Dylan. I want to actually start talking to you about um, that sort of Waioku dirt track. So, with the Waioku dirt track, so how did that all of a sudden, like, how did you find that and where did you start with that and what were you driving? Like, what what was that scene? Because I've never actually heard of that scene before. Um, yeah, so, so basically it's like a black track, what we call it. It's not affiliated to um, Motorsport New Zealand or Speedway New Zealand or any of that sort of stuff. Um, they're their own sort of um, um, governing body. Uh, there's three or four tracks around New Zealand. They all sort of work in with each other. Um, there's a few different rules per track, um, per se, but um, you can sort of run um, within them um, as such. But, yeah, my father had done that right since I was born. Um, there's photos of me barely being able to walk um, in the pits or, or sitting in the cars, <laughs> which is a lot of um, how a lot of st motorsport stories start, really. Um, it's always good to get the kids involved and um, and start that way, so... That was my scene um, for many years. Uh, and you can start racing at 12, 13 years old. So uh, when I started high school, um, actually Stumpy Holmes's son was in my year um, oh, at Waikou College there. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> and he had a dirt track car. So, you know, just talking occasionally um, about that and that sort of sparked, um, sparked something. 
um, that made me realize that's what I wanted to do. Um, went home, talked to dad. We ended up with a, a Toyota Sinos with a um, hole in cylinder three uh, that we that we thought we were going to turn into a car. Just needed a motor. Front wheel drive and speedway goes quite well. Um, after a few months of that, we decided that was going to be a terrible idea. Um, I fell in love with an X rally car that was on trade me for six hundred bucks. Um, Primer grey, basically rolling shell, nothing in it. Used to have a V8 in it. Um, Unfortunately, the Motorsport New Zealand logbook was gone. It was deregistered, wasn't worth much to a lot of people. Um, so we got donated a crashed Mark V Cortina, chucked the old two-litre Pinto in that, oh. painted it bright orange like the General Lee, um, <laughs> and that was my first race car. Um, yeah, for a few years until I built a Holden Commodore, and it just all sort of got out of control from there. So you're naturally a bogan. I mean, I'm from Waiuku. Um, Isn't that where like the bogan comes from? Is Waiuku? I don't know. I just, you know, throwing it out there. I mean, shit. Isn't that the OG original bogan place? I mean, it's up there. I mean, I've been to Rangiora a few times since I've lived in Christchurch. Uh, <laughs> and it definitely feels like home. Um, there's a lot of Commodores and Falcons and um, and things that drink way too much gas in a rural town. Uh, so yeah, that, that definitely feels like home out there. <laughs> That's just the locals in the pub, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you get to the streets. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, so you moved away from the dirt track scene, and then was there like a, a bit of a, a thing with uh, like a, an old Legacy or an old Subaru or something back in the day as well, in about 2014? Yeah, yeah. So that was... Um... That was still sort of through the dirt track. Um, that was with that forestry series. Um, we actually, when I got my apprenticeship, um, Dad had a, a GF WRX wagon. Um, that was a dirt track car, obviously four-wheel drive and, and that. Nothing special, black track cage, um, horrible seats. I wouldn't hop in a car like that nowadays. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's all we knew, and, and that's what we, we did for fun. It was cheap. It was exciting. Um, and when I got my apprenticeship, dad said, you know, if you get this apprenticeship, um, you can drive my car in the forest, which was huge for someone that was 17 years old to, to drive a WRX in a, in a forest at sprints. Um, so we started doing that. Um, I actually won King of the Hill. Um, I think I won like four of the five rounds, um, or six rounds. Um, and I was sort of in the top three every one. So at that point, I thought, well, actually, I can do this. Um, I mean, wasn't blowing my own trumpet, but I sort of thought to start with, I wouldn't be very good at it. There was never a hope of future. Um, it was just something I always wanted to do. And at that point, I thought, well, there's an actual chance at this. Um, so one of our other club members um, had a legacy there with a motorsport cage in it. It was sitting there, no motor, no box, no belts, sort of um, no wheels. Um, and I did a deal for, for a couple of K to buy that off them. They let me pay it off um, over a few months, and that's sort of that, how that happened. Um, you know, Waiuku car spares at the time were a huge help. Um, that was all linked in with the dirt track and the people I bought the car off and, and all that stuff. Um, and they helped out hugely with components and getting it running. And, and, yeah, we went back out to the dirt track the following season 
um, had a few reliability issues because we'd changed a few things. This wasn't a standard legacy. Um, and they were all second-hand parts that we were getting for either free or, or next to nothing. So we, we did that. Then um, I joined Pukekohe Car Club and we started doing a few hill climbs, rally sprints. We went to Tamaranui, which was huge for someone that used to race like five kilometres from their house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drive race a few kilometers from your house to um, be driving four or five hours with a race car, your mates um, down there. I mean, I don't think we did that well, um, but we're on the Revlon most of the time and tapping fence posts. So that's how legacies are meant to be driven. And it was a hell of a lot of fun. And, and after that, that sort of, um, it all, it spiraled out of control from there, really. That's nuts. <laughs> what about Jack? Um, I'll just, just to let you know, because you know, I saw Ben, you were muting it a bit there. Um, the noise thing isn't a problem. We all set, oh, okay. we're all recorded on separate channels, so I can just cut things out. Oh, okay. No, I just yeah, thought I... Yeah. No, sweet. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, it's you all didn't want to hear us. I'm doing things. <clears throat> um, no, i got a background. <laughs> um, oh, I guess the next topic is still on the rallying theme, but what all four of us share is a common passion for rally prize givings. I just wanted to know some of your favorite moments from rally prize givings, whether it's this year or in the past, because we've had some monumental nights on the pit. <laughs> <laughs> go on. Oh, oh, oh. I don't know what I can There you go, Tim. Oh, you can't beat Regan's chat, eh? At a, at a prize giving. Oh, Hundred percent. Yeah, just. I was going to be. Whenever Regan Ross gets on the microphone, everyone listens. It's just. Like, I've yeah, never just... seen so like you know when a prize giving like you, you think like Canterbury Rally prize giving that you know it's so noisy and loud and blah 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 and no one really cares because it gets a bit too late and we're all a bit hammered. But the moment Regan gets up there for a trophy, I've never seen a room go from pure loudness to pure quiet, looking straight out of the stage. It's just like anything that guy has to say, it's just gold. I mean, if M Sport Blimmin saw what he was doing with their car and and you know, he's a he's a role model. He's a role model <laughs> for Bogans all around New Zealand and around the world. Yeah, I'm surprised he isn't from Ioku. <laughs> I mean Kaikoura is pretty bad itself. Yeah. Let's not yeah. take that out of the equation. Yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. What about you, BT? What do you reckon do a highlight? A lot of my rally prize giving highlights are quite hazy just because uh, the way things go later in the night, you don't tend to remember a whole lot. But um, <clears throat> or anything that stands out in particular, I don't know. I remember DT did a speech a couple of years ago. He started talking about Captain Underpants or something. Oh, yes. So good. <laughs> hey, no, I said South Canterbury roads were quite scary. Um, and I may or may not have almost shit myself a few times, all right? <laughs> that, that was all right, DT. So that's, what happens, that's what happens when you get tubed up before your blooming speech, I guess. Um, actually, go, going, um, you know, off prize givings, BT sort of ruined it there. Um, the Captain Underpants year was probably one of the, that was actually probably the year that set off um, the friendship between the rally group, that exact rally, um, mm. where we ended up at Engineers, I think it was, for, for a wee while there. But, um, yeah, no, rallies are about friends and um, and the get-togethers at the end. Um, it's like um, it's like Jeremy Clarkson says about Bathurst. You know, it's a bunch of bogans getting on the piss on a hill when um, 
eventually a car race breaks out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, nah, no, nah, in all seriousness, yeah, rallying is um, very much a community-based thing, and the rally community, we're just a big travelling circus, so, you know, we get to a rally, and, and there's all that stress of competing and doing a good result, and sponsors, and all that stuff, and, and media, um, but then when it comes to the end of it, and the, the hair gets let down, and at the end of it, you're just hanging out with and catching up with mates you might not have seen for a few months, and, and occasionally things get a bit out of hand, but... Um, yeah, it's always a good time. <laughs> and I think that's a it's a good point you raise that like rallying is so sociable. Like being involved in the circuit racing stuff as well. They have their own elements that are attractive, but the fact that all of us in rallying pretty much get along, I don't I can't point out too many people that I don't like in rallying. <laughs> so <laughs> But it is and I guess for you guys that have come into the sport in a way, it must have been a good thing to have so many new friends that are lifelong friends really through the sport yeah i'll i'll add as well i mean it's it's so awesome the the awesome part of it is we've got people all over the country that we might have only seen you know a dozen times a year but whenever we do catch up it's always a good time and people from different age groups as well you know we've got you know 20 year olds like us 20 23 24 25 year olds and they've got the youngsters like you know harry and stuff um and you know the older guys as well um you know everyone's just there for a good yarn at the end of the day and it's um yeah it's that's that's the side of the sport i love the most yeah so you mentioned harry there we might as well move on to the biggest topic of the year <laughs> that monster <laughs> crash at otago <laughs> Oh yeah, that old. Wave your hands in the air like you don't care. (laughs) Yes, yeah, I knew this was going to get brought up. (laughs) Go on, to talk us through how did that, how did it end up there? Hell, how did it end up there? Oh well, I mean, obviously this was always going to be Harry's sort of you know breakout year, um, buying the R two, and yeah, we we sort of had a chat last year, and he said he wanted me in the car with him. Um, and you know, I'd seen his results in the Starlet, and he was always, you know, a, a real hard charger from what I'd seen. Um, and he's a good mate as well, um, Harry. Um, and yeah, we we started out at Westland, gave the car a bit of a shakedown. Um, all went pretty well there. Um, and one of Harry's main goals this year was sort of learning how to write notes, um, which is something I've never done before either. Um, and we we instantly gelled really well at Otago when we started writing. Um, we worked out a you know a way that worked for both of us um and yeah we thought we thought our notes pretty pretty well sorted um and we were on a bit of a charge in stage three at the time um and yeah just one that one corner which is what everyone says um yeah a little bit wide dropped the wheel off the road and over she went from there really um and yeah it's it 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 did a bit of damage you could say (laughs) a bit um i think yeah there was mention of 17 18 g is what it recorded on rally safe um so yeah, she's pretty pretty well toast. But um, yeah, Harry and I came out. We decided we'd do Fongaray as well, uh, round two of the championship. Um, so we towed the wee starlet up there, um, and yeah, had a really really good run there. The notes worked awesomely, um, and it was just a really really good um, you know rec- recovery drive you could say, um, just to get him back in the seat, build his confidence again, um, and he drove really really well from there. So. Hopefully, you know, in the next year or so, we can he can get out there a bit more. I see he's sold the the white starlet now. Um, maybe he uses the the grey one a little bit more, and hopefully get that Fiesta rebuilt at some point in the near in the near future. So, and uh, you go, Jack. Oh, just touching on like 
obviously Harry Judd is one of the younger drivers in the field these days. But this year we've seen a real surge of young drivers throughout the championship and like domestic or um, club rallying and all that sort of stuff. What's your guys' take on like, yeah, the growth of the sport in the last probably five years to where it is now? It's been pretty exponential, really. I mean, yeah, when I came into it, um, <clears throat> Category 2, um, the front-wheel drive class in the NZRC didn't exist. Well, it did, but it was um, just eligible for FIA current eligible cars, um, so your R2s. Uh, Max Bailey was in there for a few rallies um, in 2016, um, and we were an open class. I mean, we were the youngest people in the championship at the time, I think, and I was 21 and um, Amy was 16, um, 15, 16. So um, at that point, we were the youngest people. Um, and then in 2017, they created the FIA two-wheel drive class um, for front-wheel drive vehicles up to two-litre. So that opens it up to your Swifts, um, your Mirages, your Vitzes, anything you want to bring in, really. Um, that's up to two-litre. There's no rules other than that. Um, so it's bring your mum's car. Pretty much, yeah. Or Nana's. Um, or Nana's I choose car. to borrow Nana's. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've borrowed Nana's for a few years now. Um, it does me right <laughs> It's amazing because you're um, the fastest to drive to the shop to get the milk, but yet you've never brought the fucking milk back. I know. Um, I generally get a bit distracted by gravel roads and crests. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, that, that class really opened it up, I think. And we had, in 2017, we had um, what promised to be quite a good field with... Um, Chris McLean, Max Tregelgis, um, Amy Keeley was in there, um, and a few other people jumped on and off during the year. I mean, it's a big commitment, the championship. It's very financially straining. Um, you do find a lot of people have issues, and and it just doesn't become feasible to finish the season. Um, I think we've all been there, yeah. Um, but then this year, um, 2021, is probably the strongest the class has been in um recent years easily um we've got jordan grant and probably one of the most highly modified swifts i've ever seen um it had blown in his false teeth clean out um, <laughs> but you know we've got that um we've got uh, uh oh crap what a stitch up Bruni, Bruni Jones. Yeah, I was like, how can I not remember Bruns? No, no, he's no, a little no, wee ginger, and mind you, he does hide behind a lot of things as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah, want him no, to stand got, next to a fire yeah. engine; he'd disappear. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> Bryn. Um, he's in Max Tregalgus's old car. Um, so we got three, um, well, four M Sport Group N Fiestas in there. Um, we've got a few, but it's not just young people. Um, there are a few older ones with Wadsworth and and Jeff Ward, but to see people like Jackson Clendon, um, I'm getting quite old now, so I can't count myself. Um, <laughs> Bryn, um, Jordan, you know, it's starting to take off and it sort of gives the sport a little bit more recognition and focus on classes like that. And it also makes it look more feasible for other um, young people like myself. If back in the day, if someone said, you know, you can buy a, a Mitsubishi Mirage, you, it might not be 100% competitive, but if you can finish every round, you're going to be on the podium effectively. Um, cheap to run, cheap to buy. Um, you're in the NZRC, and for a lot of young people, um, or even you know older people, that would be a dream come true, low budget. 
um, good competition and, and good people. Go back to so. Uh, I want to get back to you as well, Dylan. Uh, in 2015, you did buy, like you said, you you had bought that Fiesta. Um, I just want to get a rundown. Like, so where where did the car like? Obviously, it used to be Ben's car, um, but in that sense, like, did, it came from Australia. Or is that where it came from? Or where yeah, did it come so from? Ben, um, when he moved into Emma's old car, he sold that um, Fiesta, obviously, um, and it went over to Aussie um, to Rosemary North, who ran the Victorian, well, a bit of the Victorian Rally Championship in it, um, and a few events. It, it didn't do a ton of work um, over there. It did a bit, but um, it was just sitting in a shed, um, not being used. And because and Ben was mentoring me, he suggested that I need to get into a Fiesta. Uh, at the time, there were none for sale in New Zealand. Uh, so he just made the phone call. They were interested in selling it. Um, but they said they'd only really sell it if it was going to someone that would you know, look after it and so on. So um, I put together a... The, the money to buy it and all of that stuff and the sponsorship to run it and then at that point um, we purchased the vehicle and and got it shipped over that's mean and like so and also the number plate a little bit i get lots of people asking about the number plate for you gar can you actually go into what actually the for you gar is yeah all so about? obviously 2015 we'd um we ran the whole championship. Um, my grandfather was a, a huge supporter um, of me and always was. Um, they were like my second parents. Obviously, we spent a lot of time there um, with him, and and he was into his motorsport and his planes and all that stuff, and and just huge um, role models there. Um, we and we suddenly lost him. Um, a couple of weeks before Christmas in 2015. Um, and the last time I saw him was at Coromandel. Um, and just, you know, when you're going through your emotions and, and knowing that he wouldn't be at any event ever again and, and he was the number one supporter and giving you little tips uh, and hints and and things to do, uh, it was quite difficult. Um, and Michael McLean had, had a, uh, a similar number plate um, for a friend of his that he lost and and that gave us the idea of doing that you know that way he's always there um, riding along um, so we we purchased the plate uh, the whole family chipped in and cousins and and aunties and uncles and everything and and we bought the plate so 2016 and everything then on um, the plate's been on the car uh, you'll never see me drive a car without that plate on it so uh, it's sort of Similar to Possum, I guess, but a little bit different circumstance with the ROJ. Um, as, as long as I can run yeah. it. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. No, it's good that you've really dedicated that to your, your the old yeah, yeah. car, which is cool. So, <laughs> the yeah, doggy that's, old coat. That's, that's, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Jack? Over to you, oh, sir. Thanks, Tom. Over to you. Yeah, great. You're the conductor, mate. You're the one into it. Um, I guess going back to what I said previously, just give me two seconds. Uh, we're talking about the championship before. If you guys could pick out the surprise driver of the year for yourselves, who would you choose? Oh, geez, that's a tough question. Um, I mean, two-wheel drive. I mean, obviously Ari's had a great year. 
Um, there's no discounting that, especially with his, I mean, his, the reliability issues he's had with that car in the past few years. Um, to see him get a clean run and get some awesome results with it, it's, um, it's really good to see. Um, oh, four-wheel drive. I'm just trying to think. Who's had a, a good run? Obviously, I mean, Hayden's leading the field, as we all expected. Um, Robbie's had an awesome year. Uh, I think the pace Robbie's shown is, is awesome. Um, like I say, he's, he's, he's taken after his old man, and he's, um, he's got awesome pace. He's always been a great driver. Um, so to see him get some, some good results in that Fiesta, it's good to see. Yeah, I mean, obviously, basically what BT said, um, you can't go past with four-wheel drive. You can't go past Robbie Stokes. I mean, that man is on a mission, um, and and he's class. I mean, Ben is extremely fast um, and has been for a lot of years, and I don't think Ben's got any slower. Um, and, and obviously, Robbie had a lot of bad luck in the front-wheel drive cars um, with a few issues, and and so on and um to step into that car and basically not even put a, a foot wrong um is pretty incredible um and there's no taking away from him what he's done basically and and he should be extremely proud of what he's done um battling robbie over the years um to now is like yeah i don't know if i'd beat him now um and <laughs> obviously two wheel drive um yeah obviously ari in a bmw Compared to what he's competing with um, <laughs> with uh, Clinky there, has been good. And I know Ari's probably 30 seconds a stage quicker than us, but it obviously pushes us as well. Um, because at the end of the day, we're in the same championship for the overall two-wheel drive championship. Um, and it only takes a spin or a puncture from him um, for us to be on him. So, so it pushes everyone. And I think that's what you need. You need a Hayden Patton in the championship and you need a Ari Pettigrew in the two-wheel drive championship. Mm. You need someone that's sort of making you drive out of your comfort zone because at the end of the day, if you look at the championship before Hayden came back to the speed that everyone's going now, it's night and day because everyone has had to up their game. And that's what... Yeah. Yeah, I think we look at like 2019, Ben, apart from one round, was under... Uh, unbeatable that year but now there's like six or seven people that are battling with Ben to try to keep up with Hayden and I still think Ben's faster than what he was in 2019 there's like a big pack of people at the front that are actually pushing on real hard yeah well to try definitely even um even being a driver yourself and being in the predicament I am driving like I've never driven before and I mean it's just progression like everyone is having to drive quicker to keep up um, we're pushing ourselves harder. So Jordan's pushing himself harder to keep up with us. Obviously, you know, there's people in the other classes, Jonesy and Herbie and all those boys will have to be getting quicker to to not get beaten by us Fiestas. And, and then you've got Clinky will have to be driving faster to, to keep up with Ari. And, and it's just a knock-on effect. Like, we will end up um, all better drivers because of um, the championship is just getting faster and faster and faster. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, just for me, just to throw a spanner in the works in terms of the surprise driver of the year, I'd say Emma Gilmore is probably the top of my list. Though she hasn't had the mechanical reliability that she just, she's just got shit luck. But to be running top two at most of the events when she was running, she has been properly fast this year. 
just well, yeah and considering the amount of k's that she's missed out on over the years um due to those mechanical issues mm. she has been quite a standout driver hasn't she she really has come mm. back swinging every time you know she comes away from an event you know with a down like something wrong with the car but then when she comes back she's straight on the pace again you know it's just yeah it's pretty incredible what she can actually do it's pretty impressive Mm. Um, I actually with you Ben so bringing back with the pace of all, everyone of the drivers then you got the co-driver side of it as well I mean obviously you are learning at the same time with writing notes and you know you you have done a lot of the all ports notes what about on the co-driver side of it as bringing as it really brought the game up as well with the absolutely the yeah the I mean coming into this year I was a little bit apprehensive um, writing notes um, it's a big step up um, but having the two rounds at the start of the year with the two pass Rickies and a target on Fongaray definitely helped. Um, that being said, one pass, you could have done it with the GoPro side of things, um, but having you know that, that first pass to write your notes and second just to consolidate them um, definitely helped. Um, yeah, it, it's a big step up, um, but I mean, I mean, I did you know two, three rounds with Harry, um, and by the end of Ricky at South Canterbury, you know, we we gelled so well together i can almost sort of write the note before he'd even said it you know um so building that relationship with your driver um is a huge thing um and then obviously i stepped in with dylan at, at hawks bay a month or so ago and um it translated so well there as well um there's not a lot of difference between harry's notes and dylan's notes um which helps um dylan puts a 30 40 percent more detail than i'd like to think um I'd, I'd say um and it's yeah i mean not a huge amount of difference really um like i say it's it's just the pace side of things um so coming from harry when we're in the starlet and the fiesta um jumping up to someone like dylan where the pace is a little bit quicker um you do have to deliver the notes a little bit quicker um but yeah that being said you just you just you know um alter your pace and and, and work it all out as you go really um it's one of those things learning on the fly <laughs> and i guess that's something that probably isn't talked about much but behind the scenes i i'd assume there's a lot more people writing notes now because that's the way to get that pace out of absolutely yeah well, i mean I, you go dylan you go ahead bj oh i mean yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where um i <laughs> well, we'll you go, Tim. I mean, if, like, like we've been saying this whole this whole thing, um, everyone's looking for the extra edge nowadays. Um, and all port notes are good. Um, you know, they've always had their critics, um, but having that ability to to know exactly what the detail of every corner is is a big help. Um, you know, there there is the slight inconsistencies with the all port notes, rally to rally and driver to driver. Um, but when a driver knows what's coming up um, with their own language, so to speak, um, it's a huge thing for pace. I can vouch for the whole all-port thing, you know, seven right into seven right into seven right into seven right, and then into, into seven left. It's like, ah, uh, just long seven will do for me, thanks. I mean, <laughs> don't, you know, don't get the wrong idea. Um, I mean, a lot of people do knock all-port notes, and we ran all-port notes for three years i think right up to the um, sas Subaru. um and without all port notes none of us would have a bloody clue what we were doing in terms of writing or what we Absolutely. expect from a pace yeah. note um i mean it does teach you it's a very good safety note i mean um and and you do have ricky to check that sort of stuff but to be able to 
run three years on all put notes and work out what didn't work for me and what I wanted from notes. When I went to writing, um, it was a lot easier. And my template is templated off all put notes. So my angles are still the same. Um, I just have a lot more detail and they're a lot more consistent um, than the all port note, but um, they are very good for learning on. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, well, I'm very much out of questions and <laughs> fucking hot. <laughs> this week. Well, I, I want to say, you know, Dylan, what, what are your plans for the future what, what are you what are you going to do for 22 what are you doing for 23 is there is there anything special planned what is there go on throw it out yeah what a question um <laughs> <laughs> um it looks like 22 is the end of the road for us for a while um i mean we've had an incredible run um we've had some amazing opportunities um and basically lived the dream that i wanted to live um but just with obviously the current global situation um sponsorship is not the world's easiest thing to find um we've sort of breached what we can do um in terms of two-wheel drive if we go back to two-wheel drive we're just going to be doing the same thing again i mean um we're already three-time front-wheel drive champion um if we go back again what are we gonna sort of gain by that apart from spending a lot of money and and um, a lot of time off work. Um, so I have got a version 11 STI that I am very slowly building in the background, which I would I think you've got two, I think, if I remember rightly. You've got one in the shed that's going to be the rally car, then you've got this absolutely fucking mangled tin can out there yeah. in the back lawn. Yeah, no, that's made it to the garage now. Lockdown has uh, definitely helped with moving along with that project. Um, nah, so that car will probably be built for a mainland, um, a mainland push, I'd say. Um, and it won't be for another two or three years at least. Um, you will probably see us, the, we're not selling the Fiesta, so, uh, it depends how enthused I get and, and whether we can pull a tiny amount of sponsorship, whether we do end up at some South Island rallies. Um, there's a few bucket list events I'd like to try, like Rally of the North, um Westland, um Lawrence rallies I haven't competed in before just because I've been so busy with NZRC so um I'd say in the next year or two those will be things that we will do uh in the Fiesta just until the 11's built um and then it all just depends on sponsorship and eligibility and all that sort of stuff um let's be honest a group in based car or production based car is not going to be winning national championships um, sort of here on out with all the R5s kicking around and, and everyone getting on top of AP4s. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can afford. And, and at the end of the day, it's for the love of the sport. Winning's awesome, but there's nothing like doing skids on gravel. <laughs> I think, uh, and I've, you know, you're, you're proven over the last sort of, you know, five how many years now? I mean, how old are you? You know, it's you've proven that you are a very capable driver, and you know oh, it's a shame that you are ending at the end of the year. But like you say, and I, you know, I'm the same boat as well. You know, you need money to do this sort of sport, and uh, you know, uh, I, I, 
you're reflecting back on what you've achieved, Dylan, you've done bloody well. I mean, even when you went to Category 1 and did the, uh, in the SAS Savara, you, you did incredibly well getting third in the championship. You know, that was just absolutely awesome. And, you know, you did prove and show everyone that you can compete at the top level of NZRC with next to no money. So, you know, you really showed that little, the small guy can really get to the top if they really tried. So we pat yourself on the back for that one, mate. Yeah, well done. That's sort of the thing that I say to people, like, you see someone spectating at a rally and, and they, they're enthused about the cars and they love the cars and they wish they could do it. And it's sort of one of those things that I wish you could convey to people, like, nothing's out of reach. I didn't come from a family with a shitload of money. I didn't have a rally car sitting in the shed to start with. I was an apprentice on apprentice wages. Um, obviously, I got a bit of um, advice from people like Ben and Glenn Inkster and, and people like that um, to help. Get, oh, Inky. Oh. <laughs> help me get to where I am. But, you know, it's one of those things. Like, if you want something bad enough, you'll make it happen. No, that's awesome, mate. That's that's how, that's how you do it in style. <laughs> So yeah, no, and you know, we'll we'll see we'll see you get back and like this group in, yeah, like you say about this impressive, you know, it's group in, but the way that you drive, mate, it'll be uh, very very sideways, I can assure you. <laughs> Go on, right, Jack, do the last question, and yeah, and your content there, in your context. All right, um, let's just finish off with what is your. I steal this from Greg Russ because he's he's my friend <laughs> and my idol. Is he on Tinder? <laughs> is he your lover boy? No, we should have got, well, got Murphy and Russ on here, don't they, Livy? That'd be all for it. Yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> four of us fucking wounders on Zoom. <laughs> um. For both yourself, Ben, and you, Dylan, what's your favourite cars and or your favourite car? Don't, and don't do this to me. Mm, it can be rally, road, oh, track, man, whatever tra- you want. Track door. Um, oh, I need some time to think about this. I mean, this Take is hard. It's harsh. Yeah. Well, yeah. The problem is that you both are car guys, and you can't make up your mind what you want. I mean, let's just say. You're in a car lot. All your favourite cars are in a car lot, but there is one that you have to walk to, and you go, "Yeah, th- that one." It's almost that's impossible fine. to do, son. Like, I mean, if I win Lotto, I'm hoping I win enough to buy at least four of my favourite cars. Like, um, <laughs> she's a hard one. I mean, Mike. Yeah. If it helps you guys, me and Tim went through this yesterday, trying to work out what our favourite cars were, and. I believe Tim said an Aston Martin from Le Mans or some shit, some gay circuit racing thing. And I said a 22B. I don't know if that spurs anything oh, in your minds. That's but... a difficult one. I mean, if I had unlimited funds, I mean, and I could buy three cars, that's sort of easy. You go. You go. All right, all right. Go with three. Go pick the three. Since you can't all make right, up your right, fucking right, mind. Right, Jesus. I can't make up my mind. Um, Stu Weber's um, possum Impreza, the pro drive car, one. I mean, obviously, growing up, that was the car that got me into rallying. 
Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to go past fucking the Goz's new legacy, but I've spent a lot of time polishing my knob on that one. <laughs> oh, and you're polishing your knob on the podcast <laughs> now, oh. mate. God. Um, and probably a the Hawkeye WRC car. Oh, the P11, I think it is. The V10, it the V10 Hawkeye. With Peter Soldi. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go out on the limb here and say you like Subaru. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a, like a, bit of a trend there, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I've come up with a couple. I'll continue on the, the Subaru theme as well. Um, I mean, <laughs> well, oh, it's not God. just Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, I know the name for the podcast. Yeah, I think we know what it is. <laughs> it's sponsored by Subaru, at least. Yeah. Get hold of Blue Reed. Uh, well, um, sorry. The, the Vantage Subaru <laughs> um, that McRae's been running the last couple of years. Obviously, the history and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And having the privilege to see that at Ashley Forest, especially the last couple of years as well, um, was awesome. Um, that That's a car with a whole lot of history. And I've got a soft spot for an Audi Quattro as well. Um, we need more of those running in New Zealand, so it's cool to see a couple of them being built. Are you sure it's a soft spot? Yeah, it's a very warm spot. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't have a quattro flying through the forest in Finland? Um, nah, it's cool to see a couple more of those being built um, and to hopefully you know, be on the stages, um, not just show cars, um, because they are wicked cars. Yeah, they were death traps <laughs> back in the 80s. Someone bring an unrestricted... Um, Someone bring an unrestricted quattro to Ashley Forest or Ben Never Station. Oh, shit. Oh, sign me up. Good. Well, with all the... Yeah, right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, you two. We'll probably wrap it up there. I'm hot. But, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on whatever this is and... If we release it, then hopefully somebody listen. My mum, my dad. That's <laughs> no, been awesome. Yeah. But yeah, cheers.